we're talking about the most important relationships in life. Marriage, definitely, but also our relationships with kids, our relationships with parents, with best friends, with uh, coworkers we have to work with, the people that we are with every day, that, that those relationships make the biggest mark on our lives. And the difference is going to be love. We started off by talking about what, what is love really defined as in scripture? What does it look like? And how does that differ from what we look at as love? Right now, we're going through five weeks of the five love languages. Now, this is, this is from Dr. Gary Chapman. Some of you've heard of this material. Some of you have been through this material before. Um, Chapman has identified, and he's a psychologist, he's a marriage counselor, um, he's identified five different ways, five separate ways people tend to give and receive love. If you are trying to show, express love to someone and that's not their primary love language, they may not see your acts as loving acts. They may not interpret it as, oh, wow, he really loves me. Look what he's doing for me, or look what he said to me. They may require something else. Now, the, the different love languages, and by the way, everybody needs all five of these, but each of us need them in different amounts, right? So the five are words of affirmation, giving and receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch, and quality time. And that's the one we want to talk about today, quality time. Now, that's that's a term that's been around for about 20 years or so, and it, it sounds kind of touchy-feely, but what it basically means is time we, when you're spending together and you're intentionally focused on each other. You're not, you're not just two people in the same room doing separate things, right? You're not, he's watching the football game and she's on her phone, or they're both reading books. There's value in that, but that's not quality time. So what, is, what does it look like? I want to start with a couple of scriptures uh, Proverbs chapter 18, Proverbs 18, verse 24. So Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now the word friend is in that proverb twice, but the second word friend is a different Hebrew word than the first one. And I can't tell you what the words are. I made a C in Hebrew, and I was lucky to get that. But um, I can tell you that the second word friend is a different word, and it's a word that's related to the Hebrew word for love. So it's a stronger word. What he's saying is it's fine to have lots of quote-unquote friends. We men are especially good at this. We say, well, I got lots of friends. You know, I talked to that other guy the other day. Yeah, we're friends. We talked about the ball game, Or, yeah, um, he... We talked about his car. And so we consider that a friendship. But there, is, there are true friends. There are friends who are with you in the hard times. There are friends who provide what you need when you need it. And that's what this proverb is talking about. And it's better to have a few of those than tons of the other kind. Um, Mark 3.14 is the other scripture I wanted to show you. This is a very different, very different verse out of the Bible. And you're going to wonder what I'm, where I'm going with this at first. Uh, this, is, this is out of the, the narrative of Jesus choosing his 12 disciples. It says, He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why did Jesus choose 12 people to be his closest friends? Have you ever thought about how unfair that must have seemed to Jesus' other followers? I mean, why do they get special access to you? Why do they get to go places that the rest of us don't go? How come they get more of you than we do? That seems like favoritism, doesn't it? 
but there was a reason for what Jesus was doing. Jesus, first of all, had to send them out. He had to prepare them to lead the ministry, lead the church once he was gone. But also it says he appointed 12 that they might be with him. It's as simple as that. Even the son of God needed people with him. He needed, he needed friends. He chose these 12. Now, you read the gospels, do you think he chose the smartest 12? Do you think he chose the godliest 12, the bravest 12? Obviously not. I mean, I, from what I read in the gospels, I would have chosen one Mary Magdalene over all 12 of them, but he chose these 12 because he needed their friendship, their friendship at that very moment and for the next three years of his life. And if he needs that, if he needed close friends, how much more do you and I need people who are close to us. The night before Jesus died, he said, a new command I give you that you love one another. He went on to pray this prayer. John 17 is is the section we call the high priestly prayer. It's Jesus interceding for us. Jesus is praying for you and me before we were ever born. Do you know what the, if you summed up the, the contents of that prayer, that prayer he prayed for us that night, do you know what it is? Father, I want them to be one. I want them to be one. I don't want them to be fighting and separated and living, living their little isolated lives and only occasionally interacting. I want them to be so closely yoked together that they, that they stick together like a brotherhood, like, like a family, like the best family you can imagine. When you read the New Testament, you're amazed, if you pay attention, at how many times we see the word, words like this, I want you to be of the same mind. It doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, I mean, I, I root for my football teams and you root some, some of you the wrong teams, but so we, we don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to vote the same way. We don't have to like the same music, but we do have to be united on the things that are most important, that we're of one mind. We, we're headed in the same direction. We're, when the most important things are at stake, our goals are the same. The, the word fellowship is used in the scriptures a lot. Growing up, I thought fellowship just meant that was a Baptist word for party, right? You know, non-Christians party, we fellowship. Uh, you know, we have little, little styrofoam cups of, of red Kool-Aid. They have something else that my mom wouldn't tell me about. But um, that's not what the word fellowship means. Fellowship is from a Greek word, koinonia, that means, by the way, I did better in Greek than Hebrew, but um, it, it means oneness. It means community. It means, as Paul says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Have all things in common. If someone's lacking something, you supply it. It means bearing each other's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. And when we do that, we honor the Father. And if we don't do that, then we're denying our faith. Think about that for a moment. Anybody ever been in a church where people were ugly to each other? Yeah. Yeah, a few times, right? I don't care how orthodox that church is. I don't care how good they are at abstaining vices. If they're ugly to one another, they're denying the faith of Jesus Christ. If they're not treating one another with Christian love and brotherhood, then they might as well renounce the faith for the, for the uh, I'm not saying they're losing their salvation. I'm saying the, the image they're presenting of the gospel is just as bad as if they uh, rejected the resurrection. That's how important it is to God that we love one another. So all that to say, God loves it when we spend that kind of quality time with those who mean the most to us. God loves it when we have people that we're knitted together at the heart level 
That should be, that should be the case in marriage. I don't know about you, but my wife and I have very little in common. And it's funny, we were married about 20 years when we finally turned around and realized, you know, I don't like anything that you like. Your food is boring. Oh yeah, well, your food is weird. Well, your, your television shows are stupid. Well, yours are just dumb. Well, you know, where have we been? Have you just been being nice all this time? Yeah, I guess so. And yet, at our heart, at the heart level, there needs to be nobody who I know better than her. Nobody whose, whose uh, moods I can anticipate, whose needs I can understand and comprehend better than her. It is my job to study her so that I know her well, so that I can be the, the husband she needs and her me. Um, and that's true of all of our most important relationships. So there are some people who quality time is the most important thing. That is how they feel loved. How do you know if you're married to one of those people, if your child is one of those people, if your friend is one of those people? And, and how do you know that just buying them a gift isn't enough or, or writing them a, an encouraging note won't really do it? They want time alone with you. Well, First of all, this person is probably going to often ask for your undivided attention. You're going to hear this a lot. Can you, can you please put your phone down when I'm talking to you? Would, you? would you mind turning off the TV or at least mute it? They, they don't want divided attention. They want focused attention. One of the worst things you can do to them is just kind of say, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm, I've got something going on. So a person who really ask for undivided attention, probably highly values quality time. Superficial conversations usually aren't good enough for these people either. They don't like uh, just small talk. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. How was your day? Eh, it was all right. How was yours? They want more. They want to know what you're thinking. My wife values quality time. I think it's probably her second uh, love language after acts of service. Um, and so one of the things I've noticed is she likes to make decisions together. She likes to, for us to talk about, well, you know, I think we need new curtains in the, in the den. What do you think? Okay, sounds good. Well, do you like this color or this color better? And I've learned, or I'm learning, that she really doesn't want me to say, well, whatever you like. I wish that was good enough, because frankly, I don't have an opinion. But she wants me to participate in that process of making the decision together. First of all, she wants some, a little confirmation that the direction she's going is the right direction. But secondly, she just values that time together. Superficial conversation isn't good enough. If, if, you're, if you're around somebody like that, they probably value quality time. They often try to plan things to do together. You'll, you'll come home and think, okay, I'm just going to hang out at home. I'm just going to you know, watch Netflix or whatever. And she says, or he says, hey, I was thinking, let's go out with the, with the burgers tonight right? You're like, not the burgers. I hear, on, I hear from him on Sundays, man. Or, hey, I was thinking, let's go camping this week, or, or let's, let's take a vacation. And I know last, last time we just stayed around the house and got things done, but let's go, let's go to the hill country. Let's go, let's go to the lake. Let's do something. They, they want to go out. They want to do things together. And, and if you don't value quality time, you are just planning to read or watch TV. And it may be a little exhausting, but they need that time together. So, uh, one more thing. You know, don't you, that God values quality time himself? You know, the scriptures tell us that Jesus often got away from the crowds 
to spend time alone with his father. That's always puzzled me, right? Because Jesus was God in the flesh, and yet he's spending time with the father. We know that the father and Jesus are one. You ask me to explain the Trinity, there is no way. I cannot even hope to explain it. And people are like, well, it's like water is liquid, and then it's ice, and then it's steam. You're not even close, okay? Don't even try. That doesn't cover it because steam and water aren't one, all right? I, okay, I went off on a tangent, but you know what I'm saying. Here's Jesus spending time with his father, and you get the impression that it's always been that way. I just want to spend one more minute on the Trinity because somebody pointed this out to me a few years ago and it just blew my mind. You may not like thinking about the Trinity, but it's important that we believe in it, and here's why. Because if God created humans out of nothing, and he did, and he had someone to fellowship with and love, and he did, what was he doing all that time before? You see, you can't call him a God of love if he existed for all of eternity all by himself and was perfectly content. The only way God is a God of love is if from the very beginning there was a love within the Godhead. There was a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that was perfectly fulfilling. If God can exist for all of eternity all by himself as one being, one person, and be happy, then he's not a God of love. But if he requires that interchange, that dance between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then we see there's love within the Godhead. And he's created us to share that same love, that same oneness with each other. I don't know if I did a good job of explaining that. If I didn't, just forget it, because that's not even our purpose here. What I do want you to understand is he values that time alone with you. Now, what we're doing here, we're gathering together in his name. When we go next door and we sing together and we pray together and we study the word together, that's beautiful, that's necessary. God does not want us to try to live the Christian life without that or without this, but he also doesn't want you to live the Christian life without that time alone with him. And some of you have learned how to do that and that's your lifeblood and you don't dare leave the house in the morning without spending 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour with him. And some of you are like, I just don't know how to do that. And if you're one of those people, and right now you feel like you're a bad Christian, just know it may not come naturally, but once you start, it becomes addictive. All you got to do is just open the Bible, just study a little scripture and pray and just say, Lord, here's what's coming up this day. Here's what I'm worried about. And let him speak to you. It could be as little as five minutes, but you need that time. So, how to love somebody with a love language of quality time. How to love somebody with the time you give them. First of all, listen to them. Listen to them. That means when they talk, you drop whatever else you're doing. This has been hard for me. Carrie told me that I was a great listener until we had kids, and then I I developed dad ears. You know what dad ears are? It's this magical ability to tune everything else out except what you're focused on. I don't know what she's talking about. I think she's crazy, but that's what she says. And ever since she said that, I've tried, I've, I've tried to be intentional about when she's talking, I face her and, and look her in the eyes. I don't always do it. I don't, but turn off the TV, put down the phone, look up from the project you're doing with your hands, look up from your book, respond in a way that says, okay, I hear what you're saying. Here's what I, here's what I take from what you're saying. They need to be listened to. Think of a better question than how was your day? 
It's too easy to get away with, well, how was your day? Mine was fine. Yeah, mine, yours, yours was good too. Okay, let's go. When I was, uh, I went back to school in uh, a decade ago and, and started working on a doctorate and I met a guy there named Chuck. Chuck was from Shreveport. He's still a pastor there. Um, and so we got to be friends. So whenever we'd go for, for a class, these classes would last for a week or a weekend, we'd stay together. And he, I learned something from Chuck. He would call his kids. He had three kids. They were a little older than mine at the time. I guess they still are. Um, <laughs> that's how it tends to work. He would call his kids one by one. And whereas I would call my kids and say, so how you doing? How's mom? Okay, well, see you when I get home. He would ask questions like, tell me something really good that happened today. Tell me something that made you laugh today. Tell me something that was challenging today. He'd want to hear something specific. Now, I have a teenage son, and teenage sons aren't really good at sharing their feelings. But my teenage son loves funny stuff. In fact, if you spend time with Will, he's got a whole routine he works up. I mean, a whole stand-up he can do for you. So I'll ask him when I pick him up from school, what, what happened today that was funny? And he's always got at least one story of somebody who spilled their juice all over the place in the cafeteria or some goofy thing that someone said. Think of a better question than how was your day. Schedule time to be together. I mean, really calendar it. Make it sacred. And I'm not saying how often it needs to be. For Carrie and me, here's what works because the church is gracious enough to let me be off on Fridays. Um, we go out to eat breakfast together on Fridays. Friday mornings is our breakfast date. So we go to 105 or we go to Toasted Yolk or we go to Flourish. Um, if if y'all see us there on Friday mornings, that you'll know what we're doing. Now, about eight or nine years ago, we were going through a tough time. Uh, Carrie had lost her dad. I'd lost my grandparent, uh, my grandfather and, and, and some other special people. Um, we're, our daughter was having trouble uh, socially. Uh, Carrie was having some health issues. I was going through midlife stupidity. And uh, so we were just having a hard time. We just weren't, we weren't making it. And, but we kept that Friday morning date. And nearly every Friday during that time, she would end up crying. And Carrie doesn't cry a lot uh, publicly, but that was a tough time. And so we'd talk things over, maybe, maybe over Kaylee or maybe over her dad or something. And over breakfast, over waffles or pancakes, she'd end up crying. And I, we like to joke now that if we went back to Houston, back to one of those restaurants and walked in, they'd go, wow, y'all are still married? <laughs> Man, all those years, every time she came in, she'd be crying. We figured y'all be broke up by now. But it was so important for us to, even, even when we weren't doing well, it was important for us to have that time together. So schedule it. By the way, I, some of you may disagree with me. There's nothing wrong with time together being watching a movie, watching a ball game, watching, you know, watching a, a TV show you're both into, as long as that's not the only thing you do. You know, the good thing about sports and movies and TV shows is it gives you shared memories, kind of a shared language. You can, you've got your little inside jokes and your little references you can make, and that's great, but as long as you realize that doesn't replace actual conversation, okay? Next, learn to appreciate the things they enjoy. And this is going to be hard for some of you because one of your points of pride in your relationship is, well, I don't, I, I don't understand why he enjoys that. That's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> 
But if you value quality time, if you want, if you, if you want to show love for your loved one, then you will learn to appreciate it, at least be conversant in it. Um, if you may hate her music, but you shouldn't roll your eyes when she wants to talk about it. I'm talking about your daughter or your son. At least know the, the bands that they're into. At least know what kind of music they make. At least be able to converse with them about it. Um, you may not enjoy hunting, but if you occasionally went hunting with him, or at least acted impressed when he brought something home, that would go a long way. Now, if he asks you to field dress it, that's another matter. You're on your own there. But you may not really enjoy shopping, but if all your friends are going on a shopping trip, it wouldn't hurt for you to go along and just make conversation. So learn to appreciate the things they enjoy. Take vacations together. I cannot stress this enough. Go places. It doesn't have to be expensive places. In fact, there's a lot of us who spend a lot of money on trips when we could have just as much fun spending a little. I mean, I'm not into camping, but some of you are. Do it. That's, that's a good, cheap way to get away. You've probably got family out of town you could go visit. For years, Carrie's sister had a, had a vacation house in the hill country, and we'd go spend our weekends there when we had time off. Then they retired, and they went to live there because they're jerks. But, um, <laughs> so there goes our vacation home. But we found other ways to make it work. Priceline is your friend, Okay. You can, you can be a, a cheapskate and have a good vacation. Write things down to talk about. This is a trick I've learned because all during the week, I'll think of things I want to talk to my wife about, but then I'll forget them on Friday mornings and we're just sitting there staring at our pancakes, which is not the worst thing in the world to stare at, by the way. But so I've learned to pull out my smartphone and just when something happens that I want to talk to her about, I'll write it in a little note. And so Friday morning comes out, and I'm like, okay, I'm just pulling out my phone because I want to remind myself of something, and then I'm going to put it right back up, okay? And I tell her, hey, you know what so-and-so said? Hey, here's something we need to discuss, we need to decide. Write things down. It may seem hokey, but it's better than just listening to each other chew, okay? And then finally, drop everything else when they need you. Whoever this person is, this special person in your life, you want to be the one. You want to be the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Hopefully you're not their only friend, their only source of support, but you want to be the, the closest one you can be. You want to be the one who, when they have a crisis, when they're shedding tears, when they're worried and stressed, you know it and you're there by their side and you're, you're there until the crisis passes. That's what it means to love somebody. And will that cause problems sometimes? Yeah. Will it mean you have to miss certain things you've been looking forward to? Will it throw a monkey wrench into your day? Will you have to call work and say, listen, I'm going to have to come in late today? It helps when you're the boss. If you're not, you may have to find some other way to do it. But be there for these people. Be there for them and don't let them down. In fact, if you can be honest with yourself, some of us, and I'm in this category too, some of us would admit, I don't tend to do that by nature. By nature, I'm like, okay, not my problem. Have fun with that. I've got a full plate over here. I'll check in with you later and see how it went. That's, that's my tendency. That's probably the tendency of a lot of people in the room. A lot of people who shave every day. Can I say it that way? It's probably your tendency, although not all males are that way, and maybe some women are too. I just know that 
we tend to be that way. Buck up, you know, suck it up, buttercup, get it done, we'll be all right. Pray that God would change your heart. Pray that God would make you ready for those crisis moments when they come so that you will not let down the most important people in your life because they need you at those moments. In fact, that's why you're there. And remember, when we needed him most, Jesus was there. Jesus showed up. He could have run from the Garden of Gethsemane. None of us would have blamed him for it. He would have been perfectly justified in saying, they made their bed, let them lie in it. But when we were facing all the forces of death and hell, we were facing them. We were enslaved by them. He was free. He entered into our enslavement, our bondage, our death, and he took the nails for us. So remember that. That's who we follow, and that's what we're called to do. So um, it's just about 1030. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this in prayer. Y'all spend some time praying together around the tables. Uh, Share with each other. If, if you're sitting with someone you already know and you want to move to a different table while we pray, that's great. Uh, but I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then Alan's got some things to share with you before we dismiss. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this group. We thank you for bringing people into our lives and people with whom we can share our, our deepest secrets, our, our, our most painful thoughts, our hopes and dreams, Lord God, I I pray that we would have the kind of relationships where those things happen. Lord, marriages, friendships, parenting, everything around us help us to cultivate at least two or three of these close relationships where we can share everything and bear one another's burdens. Lord, teach us to take the time to develop those kinds of relationships. Help us to recognize the people around us who need more time from us and to give that. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen.